and welcome to episode the 20th of Tamper Tantrum. It feels like it should be like 47th or something, shouldn't it? Well, I mean, it's kind of, it's it's been a long time since we've done these. But you say it's the 20th, but it's something quite new as well. Like, there's no pictures of us on the screen or anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that should make it sound a bit more uh, 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 dangerous than that. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> well, it, okay, this, I have a confession to make at this stage. So about, about four and a half years ago, you introduced me to the concept of a podcast. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was a stupid idea. And, <laughs> and in, fairness, in fairness to me, it was. It was a really stupid idea. Uh, but now it's a good idea. I, I decided I, about two weeks ago that was a good idea. Now it's a good idea. <laughs> do you know what? I feel that the the audio podcast is, is something I've always loved. I kind of like when I'm running or when I'm walking or I'm on an aeroplane, like staring at a little screen with pictures of people on talking just doesn't seem normal. Yeah. But like just sticking some headphones in and going, yeah, yeah okay. And I, I've got like so many podcasts I listen to now, so many. Um, Did you listen to Serial? I think it's a good thing. To what? Serial. No. You're like the only person on the planet that hasn't listened to Serial. It's like... Oh. It's... Have you not heard of this? It's like... um, It's about a murder in Maryland. Jen taught me how to say that. Maryland. And um, yeah, it's uh, kind of going back over the steps of all the stuff that happened. You should listen. It's good. Anyway, that has nothing to do with coffee. You've just been to Kenya, haven't you? I have. I have that is something to do with coffee, I guess. Vaguely. Um, yeah. Like, I tend not to go to Africa so much. So for me, I kind of get on aeroplanes and go across the Atlantic and kind of spend time in Central South America. And and Africa's, like, I think it's only my fifth trip to Africa. It's only my second time in Kenya. Is um, South America and Central America, is it just easier? Like, in terms of, like, getting stuff done, meeting people, getting them to do stuff for you? That's kind of my impression that I get from listening to you. I think it has more relevance for me as a roaster than Africa does. So Africa, you're dealing with societies and you're dealing with cooperatives and you're dealing with you know, large organisations where talking to the man can be quite difficult, whereas talking to the man in El Salvador or in Brazil is really, really easy. So when I go on these trips, I, I'm not going to cup. Like, I... I can't get my head around why people travel to the other side of the world and lock themselves in a cupping room with roasts that are far inferior to what I can do at the roastery and in conditions that are far worse than the conditions I can cup in Stafford and then fly home. So I I, I don't go there to cup. I go there to meet the man, the people. You know, I guess I should say the woman as well. You should. Um, uh, <laughs> you definitely should. <laughs> Women in coffee. Um, but it's it's like going to Africa, you end up going and you talk to a cooperative that next year their coffee might be pretty awful. Um, or you may go to a cooperative and because you're buying such a small amount from them, because there's lots of people come together, that you, know, you don't really matter to them so much. So I've always kind of looked at Africa and gone, I'll go and learn about the market. But I won't necessarily go and spend uh, time with the people who I'm buying from. Yeah, and um, even if you understand the, the system of, of buying and selling and the structures that they have in place, you can be pretty sure that those structures and systems are going to change somewhat in the space of four or five months and things just get rearranged and reorganized. Um, so it's, it's hard to build that relationship in, in any long-term sense, I suppose. Well, harder anyway. Yeah, no, very much so. And and I think the other part is that, you know, Africa is, like, lots of people, I, I know Central America, and I know Central America is really un, unsafe. Like, it's, it, I'm terrible at being very blasé about, you know, oh, I'll go for a run around the hotel, and then all of a sudden people say, you, you shouldn't run in that area, that's really bad. Um, but um, in, in Africa, I've always got this kind of thing that I'm more aware of the potential... Um, you know, the, the dangerous parts to go. So, like, you know, Nairobi is not a particularly safe city. And every time I go there, I don't feel particularly safe. So I guess that's another reason that I don't tend to go so much. But then this year, I got the opportunity um, 
that uh, like we've been working with some great cooperatives and it's a second year of working with them and I thought you know this I should really try and kind of build on this um, so there was that opportunity to go but also the Taste of Harvest um, competition that uh, AFCA are doing uh, they asked me if I would go and um, go and be one of their judges uh, for, for the competition and kind of get to cup 70 of the best uh, coffees from Kenya this year allegedly you know he's kind of like a big a big thing and also a really great honour because it's the first time they've had judges that uh, are from outside Africa that aren't the head judge or aren't the trainers for the judges doing the cupping. Um, Where did you wrangle so, that one? I have no idea. I absolutely no. I got an email from somebody saying, do you want to do this? And it was like, yeah, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Where do I sign? Um, <laughs> but there was... There was me and another guy uh, from from the States and um, uh, Sebastian from uh, Seattle Roast Works and uh, we just went and cooked with, uh, there were three other, three international, uh, three national jury members and then there was also a head judge and that was the judging panel. So six of us in total and um, yeah, it was it was really good fun, really good fun. And I really enjoyed Kenya. It kind of changed my opinion a little bit of um, of how it was. And I kind of met with so many different people. So I went and travelled around one estate, which is uh, an estate. And estate coffees in Kenya are disappearing. Um, yeah. And talking to Brian was really interesting to find out, you know, how the challenges are very much set against the estate owner. And they're very much set towards the societies and cooperatives, which is so, completely the opposite of what I'm used to. What's what, why why are the estates dropping up? Was Gethin really was an estate, wasn't it? Well, the amazing thing. So this this estate that I visited, it's it's across the road from Gethin Buini, uh, and I bought from this farm four years ago. Yeah, and it was an amazing coffee. Like I probably loved it and this was a lot of the reason why I ended up going this year as well because I got talking to somebody who knew Brian uh, and he knew that I loved this coffee and he was like you should go meet this guy so that that was part of the reason to go as well uh, but Gethinbrini across the road is uh, shrinking by the by the month so they're just building houses and houses and houses and, and, and it's just the farms disappearing there's a lot more money in real estate for these guys that own all of this land than there ever will be in growing coffee. Wow. So that's what they're doing. And, um, you know, Brian was telling me of, of all the challenges he's had. The, the, the best part was the, these estates are in Thika. Um, I don't know if you saw my Instagram picture, but Thika is the Birmingham of Kenya. I, <laughs> I, was, just like, I, st- I was so confused I thought I did, about that. I didn't ask any questions. And they specifically, <laughs> did they specifically mean Birmingham, England, or was it Birmingham, Alabama? Because neither no, one of those, mean... neither one of those makes any more sense than the other. To be honest with you, um, Birmingham, wow. England. Yeah, so it's it's a fair. They they see themselves in, as an industrial town, <clears throat> industrial city, and I guess there's some weird colonial influence there as well. That somebody who lived in Thika who ran the place for a no, while. No, you know what's happened there. Birmingham. Some guy who's from Birmingham has moved to Kenya about yeah. 20 years ago. And they said, where are you from? Said, I'm from a place called Birmingham. And in Birmingham, the streets are paved with gold. And just told them all these bullshit <laughs> stories about Birmingham, how amazing it was. And all the locals went, oh, we want to be the Birmingham of Kenya. And yeah, yeah. You, didn't, you didn't tell them what yeah. it was really like, did you? Oh, God, yeah. Everybody who'd listen. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so so Brian's fighting against this whole thing going on with the uh, you know he he's tempted by selling his land and and kind of giving up on it and and doing something different. But um, very intelligent guy, very business savvy, and he he kind of thinks well if all these estates are disappearing, one day I'm going to hold the monopoly on it all and uh, and I shall win. And his coffee's amazing, uh, wow. beautiful farm, and um, so that seeing that. And then the following day, we went into um, uh, Nieri and we went to a cooperative that we worked with for a couple of years now called Athaya. Because so that's the, become like the, the superstar kind of Kenyan coffee area of late, isn't it? Like everything is like Nieri, Nieri. It's, uh, I don't know. It it really is a hot spot and they're doing some, some great 
great stuff there. And and it's mainly the cooperative, so there you don't find estates in the area so much um, than you would somewhere like Thika. And it's just like chalk and cheese dealing with these people. So Brian's very business savvy, very switched on. And you go to the societies and they're very political and awkward and 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 you know there's other so so for instance we we're buying from a farm at the moment that um we were driving past and i was just like i'm gonna can we stop here for a bit so we stopped and went and knocked on the door and said can we have a look around and the guy was like <laughs> oh no 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 you definitely can't look around you need to talk to the farm manager and you need an invite from the society chair you know chairwoman and so in the end he said oh coming in it I'll send you up to the chairwoman afterwards. So we had a look round and we went to the chairwoman and she literally sat there for like 15 minutes telling me off and telling me what a bad person I was for just turning up and not... Really? Um, yeah. And then I kind of said, look, I, I really like your coffee and we were passing and I was desperate to see it. And I think she could see there was an enthusiasm and a, it wasn't like I was trying to be awkward or bad. I was just overexcited. And, yeah. Um, she forgave also me. Took the kind of protect their interests to a certain extent and to kind of maybe I don't know they thought you were trying to overstep the mark or something but it's interesting I, I did call her I did call her you know, like Mrs Chairwoman about five times and every time I said it I could see a smile getting bigger because they love that stuff there wasn't anything else you, you did like you didn't break something or insult anyone there's nothing else of the story you're not telling us is there no 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 I, I was very well behaved on this on this trip but you know going from somebody like Brian who you know understands the market benefits of like I've I've done it, I did a podcast like a little podcast recording that I've uh, put up on the web today, um, where I was asking him questions about you know challenges and he sees that as great marketing for himself, um, and that if other people listen to it they might be interested in Chinese coffee. Where it, the politics of the society and the factories is that they don't see that and they just want to be in charge and want to follow. Like they love their bits of paper in Kenya, and they love the little signatures on everything, and everything has to be done properly. And yeah. um, it was just seeing the two very different sides of it, and did, uh, did, it was good. Did you get a run in? I did. I did. I ran round Thika. Uh, you obviously didn't see my other photo where I, I did a, a, a stumbling with Kenyans because I actually fell over, and <laughs> I still have the scars. I have like a bruised hip. I cut knee, I cut all my hand open. Right. Um, That's kind of the point about, board you can chew, going running with the Kenyans. <laughs> well, there was about 200 people where I fell over as well, and they, nice. uh, they, ev every single one of them laughed at the Mazumba falling over and cutting himself. And I, was, I, I ran for another three miles with blood dripping all down my legs and hand, and yeah. Yikes. It so was not good. <clears throat> where price wise then Kenya in, ter in terms of the, the, the harvest this year and, and where everything stands like I remember there was a few years back people there was a lot of concern that Kenya was just dropping away that the quality was diminishing that um, uh, I don't know that it just wasn't as good as it used to be do, do you still think that or how is the supply or how is the harvest going and do you see still see the quality um, being produced every year yeah, I think the quality the quality is there. You're having to look a lot harder for it. So you used to be able to go to an importer and just say, give me a Kenyan, and it would be great. It would sing. Um, there's a lot of changes with the processing. They have a lot of changes in climate, just as everywhere else seems to be having. And that's having an adverse reaction on uh, the outturns, the amount of outturn there is. Um, and this just seems to be a whole heap of changes going on you know new people uh an aging uh farmer population as well so it's yeah. a very you know is that's there, is, not good for the long term is there because i know you had a natural kenyan recently and i remember i think matt perger had one before that um that we tried and is there a push towards more processing like different uh, experimentation of processing or is that just not going to happen I think they're more open than they've ever been to experiments. So and is that because uh, of pricing everybody... or because they're engaged in it? I think there's an I think there's an engagement. I I, I don't think it's necessarily a pricing thing. There's a couple of uh, the societies we went to that were doing um, that were doing some naturals. Uh, there's a there's a lot of interest. I, I was amazed at the differences in processing from factory to factory. Um, you you know we say washed. But there, were, there was actually a lot of dry fermentation going on. So we always think of Kenya's being uh, underwater fermentation. 
And they're just not. They are, they're doing dry fermentations. They're doing, you know, wet and then scrubbing and washing. Uh, a lot of the washing channels, they're using brushes to scrub the beans to get the mucilage off. Yeah, um, I, see, I, I preferred it when there was tree processes and that's all you have to explain. <laughs> it was a lot easier. And then like recently I've been digging into a bit more uh, of the stuff that you sent me across about Bolivia and then just whatever else we can find. And it's like Bolivia is kind of the same and there's all these other stuff that like how they process and the different fermentation methods. And you're like, this isn't as clear cut as, as I thought. <laughs> it's like it was an awful lot easier when it was just three ways that you process your coffee. You do the washed way or you do the natural way or you do the in between way. And that's it. Like, But it's a... Uh, is this a, are these new methods or is it just something that they've always been doing that you just stumble upon? That, listen, this is because idiots like us are getting on aeroplanes now and going to these places and <laughs> seeing it. And we're, su- we're suddenly realising that our little ideal world of that everything's done this way and everything is, you know, exactly the same just doesn't work. It's not it's not the way that the world spins, you know. There's, there's, there's no chance for them just, just actually doing it three ways to make it easier for us, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if there was, I'd, I'd pay them a huge amount of money to do it. But I, I mean, a, a little plug here. But if you for the Tampa Tantrum talks that are coming up from Asia, um, it's, there's a really interesting part where the Aida talks about uh, the different processes there. And th- at their mill at uh, Jay Hill in El Salvador, they offer a Kenyan process. And now, after coming back from Kenya, I'd love to say. How is that a Kenyan process? It's not. It doesn't exist because there's twenty different Kenya processes, mm. um, and and it, and it is. It's processing is so complex, and you start scratching the surface, and I, I it just I'm learning more and more and more. We've got a Colombian at the moment that's been instead of just letting it uh, dry ferment, he's been putting it in these big barrels, like plastic barrels, and doing a dry ferment in there, like an anaerobic uh, dry ferment. And the cup quality is phenomenal from it. Now, I don't know if it's because of the fermentation process he's doing or whether okay, it's just so great coffee. Is it, does it, is it approaching like a, a traditional natural process processing flavour profile? Like, is it kind of boozy flavours or is it? Not at all. Not at all. But it's got a more fuller, sweeter flavour to it. So oh. you, you're getting, you know, we know Colombians to be very kind of, you know, they're very clean and transparent and, and this is kind of more sweeter and more, more, almost more towards the pulp natural kind of style. So, um, yeah, it's it's super interesting. And like, I kind of, I go through my phases of being interested in stuff, you know, I kind of, my varietal thing comes up every now and again, and it's something I love to focus on. But processing, like there is a book to be written about processing even, so much. Yeah, the first And every, every roaster has, <clears throat> so every roaster has to write so a book. That's true. That is very true. But like for fermentation is like there's so much like you, you could specialize in fermentation. There's maybe that's why every all the baristas and roasters are turning up at Nomel every week, learning more about fermentation processes. But they uh, there's enough it, within fermentation itself that you could impact, like you could you could grow bog but like bog standard coffee and do excellent fermentation in different methods and have really interesting coffee to sell. Like, like fermentation is so interesting. R- Roland, um, uh, Roland, who's my roaster, he he's got a book on fermentation, and he's kind of got into sauerkraut, and he's got into uh, like brewing beers, and all through you know this interest of fermentation. Ferme- fermented butter. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. Yeah, the fermented butter. It's supposed to be amazing. And recently, they found something in Ireland called uh, bog butter. Okay, and that's it's it's a lot better than it sounds. And bog butter is butter sample like actual like um, butter that's been uh, preserved in the earth like for thousands of years in bogs. Uh, there's kind of like the high acidity in the bog keeps it preserved in there, and apparently it still tastes quite good. You can buy it and eat it. It costs like thousands and thousands of euros per gram, but it's available. Wow! Mm. And do you buy a lot of it? Do you have it every, like every week? Yeah, but you can't really taste it through the marmite, so I don't really um, you know, buy too much of it. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's a lot. It just when you when you said there about Colombia, I do you know? Okay, well you obviously I know you do it, but do you ever do that thing where you like you write a tweet and then you go, no, I can't fucking tweet that, and you just delete it because you couldn't be bothered with the hassle it would create. All the time, uh, yeah, Colin, yeah. you've met me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what an argumentative so and so I am. <laughs> you usually like, call yeah, me and I'm... shout 140 characters down the phone at me and then hang up again. So. <laughs> 
Um, but I was, I had one of these moments the other day. It wasn't that controversial, but okay, I put it to you. I put it to you, Mr. Layton, um, that mm-hmm. every year, Colombia takes one step closer to Kenya. Hmm. It's an interesting, interesting point. Um, like go every year. Now I'm not saying it's it's there, but like you just get a like some of your Colombians. Uh, I had some Colombians recently from um, Heart that were excellent, really, really excellent. Um, and I, just every year, there was one from Square Mall last year. I had the same thought about, it. and every year they just nudge closer and closer to to Kenya in favor profile and what they're doing. And it's like it's interesting to see that because we, I think. We, we know very little in terms of like terroir and how that affects coffee. And it's like, I, I sat in a room listening to two different people arguing, I won't say who they are because they, they give out to me, but they were arguing back and forth about whether terroir existed and whether the soil itself could, if you could have particular flavor coffees from particular regions of the world and that's their specific flavor profile, or is it more to do with the processing and the traditional ways of treating the coffee in that area? Uh, and this argument went back and forth, but like, I can see Colombian coffee turning into something like what Kenyan coffee is in maybe, maybe not today or tomorrow, but like five, ten years' time. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. Do you see this? Am I going crazy? I, I, well, as normal, Colin, I'm going to disagree with you because I kind of... Um, yeah, I, I, I agree that we are seeing more Kenyan-esque style Colombians, but I think it's for a different reason because there is still the normal Colombian stuff out there. Yeah, I think it's much more that... Colombia has got so much better at isolating lots. So, like, we've been working with a producer, well, two producers this year that have been doing individual days pickings and sending me every single day's individual days pickings. Um, And for them, this is not hassle. This is not trouble. They're processing every day. It's just a matter of separating. And because it's normally one person, not a cooperative, they're kind of quite happy to do that. And... um, I think what you find are roasters are getting much better at getting those individual samples. And roasters being roasters are always, always, always looking for Kenya. (laughs) Like, not even in Kenya. Oh, I want this Brazil to taste like Kenya. And it's like, no, let the Brazil taste like Brazil. Um, But I think it's much more that, um, again, it's the roasters getting on aeroplanes. Yeah. Um, having that contact with the producers and being far more involved and also you know you've got some roasters kind of giving advice to producers about fermentation and things that they've seen and because they're chasing those Kenya lots they say you should try this underwater fermentation and leave it for 24 hours and then scrub it afterwards and um, and I think that's another reason we start to see them and there's also some amazing exporters in Colombia that are doing really yeah, good work on the I, I was fortunate enough Stephen Marcy dropped off the a gift pack, the Centuario, um, t- three varieties gift pack that uh, Intelligentsia did. And um, it's really interesting to see the, the difference in them. I can't remember the names of them at all. One of them is actually a naturally occurring decaf coffee, which is really interesting. Yeah, Lorena. Lorena. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I cut them as well. And, you know, I, I adore that farm. I adore the coffee from that farm. And and they were just amazing. The, the, the geisha. And I'm not a geisha geek. Like, I really... I don't no. get the geisha thing most of the time. But that was phenomenal. Like, don't, it was so good. Yeah, they're very, very impressive. The, the um, You've got a Costa Rican geisha at the moment, don't you? Yeah, yeah, natural. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going to have a geisha, I'm going to do something you're weird. Make it natural, yeah. 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 We, so we stuck That's down the first the... one I've stopped. First one oh, I've really? stopped since the uh, Panama Esmeralda five years ago. No, no, you had. Uh, I, I, I'll correct you now. Uh, yes, you had the um, Malawi, Malawi, Malawi and Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but that wasn't a geisha cup profile. It was a geisha, but it wasn't that you know black tea uh, Yurgachev type thing. You know, it was uh, it was a far more traditional style coffee that happened to be a geisha. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so then. The, yeah, uh, we had a list, I had a list of, of the stuff that we we're going to talk about, um, but then, what did we, did something happen, I can't remember, when anyway, we got pushed back, but anyway, it seems a little late to be talking about coffee experiences of last year, but we're going to do it anyway, because it's not the end of January, so I don't care, um, like last year, I'm trying to think back on last year, last year was a, a very long year, um, Yeah. what sticks out for you last year, in terms of coffee? 
oh, last year. I, I kind of, I, th- I, I definitely felt that there was um, a rise of the uh, the honeying process. Um, yeah. uh, and a I'm not sure whether lines, I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I, I, th- I felt that was quite interesting. Um, I definitely felt that Ethiopia last year kind of got a lot better than it has been for a while. Like yeah. I, f- I felt that Ethiopia's been moving right, but probably I know that the 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 biggest thing for me last year was uh, kind of I, I had some amazing Kenyans, like some really amazing Kenyans, and that was a lot of my motivation to go on the trip this year. Was like I just some stunners, uh, and, and I had one. Um, at the end of the year that wasn't mine um, so I can kind of talk openly about it but it was actually from Nude um, and I I, 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 I I love the guys at Nude and I think they do some of the best breakfasts in the world um, and that's the comment I would always make but they blew it out of the park with this coffee it was just phenomenal it was like a Kenyan that just tasted of pure rhubarb um, wow. and was delicious uh, and that was that was definitely my cup highlight, and it was another Kenyan, and it was just that confirmation that this has been such a good year for Kenya, like so good. Uh, and you know, we've all talked about this kind of fading of it over the past few years, but I felt last year was like really good year, really good. Uh, How about worry. you? What was your highlight? Uh, I don't know. Well, personally. <laughs> Last year for me was the year of the grinder because, as you know, I spent <laughs> half of my life traveling around talking about the grinder. Um, but I really do think that. I mean, there was a, like a three of e, We we kind of we did a lot of uh, swapping and changing to different grinders. Like the whole EK forty three thing happened, and the Mysos getting launched and all that kind of stuff. And it's last year seemed to be the year where grinders got kicked back into the front row again like it's you have the the cool grinder came out and then there's the um like there's rumors that you know Malkunig and and uh, and Mats are, are trying to um push the boundaries again it's like the grinders are front row and center again you know and it seems like that's i was i was talking to uh robin who's the head barista at 3fe and she was saying uh well you know what should we be offering doing this way doing that way and I said, well, there was a time not so long ago when we didn't do Kenyans and Ethiopians as espresso if they were washed. Yeah. And, and she was like, why not? I said, well, they, they just didn't taste good. And she was like, what? what? We're doing it all the time now. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, well, we haven't actually changed anything. The only thing that's changed is, is, is the grinder technology. So with an EK43 or with a Mythos or with um, other grinders that are coming into the market now, you're able to get stability and um, consistency with your espressos with coffees that are kind of high acidity and kind of, let's say, low body. Because they're kind of washed your chefs, your geishas, your um, uh, your Kenyans, those sort of coffees, though more like tea-like sort of coffees. And for me, in the past, if they've got a really narrow window when you're putting shots of them. And if they were great, they were stunning. But in the middle of a, of a lunch rush, if you if you're just wavers left or right, you know, just like a tiny little nudge here or there, then all of a sudden you're left with something that's going to strip your teeth. And it's just really, really, really just not good enough to serve. And it was never really worth that risk because there, I always believed that you could dial in those copies to make great espresso, but you couldn't really rely on them to... Like, that. you know, like I'll always harp on about what's the worst what's the worst coffee that you're going to hand out that day? And I'm like, I would be adamant that if we put those on, we would hand out a lot of bad coffees that day. It, you know what I mean? So it was never really yeah. worth the risk. So I'm excited now for what we're doing with um, with those sort of coffees and I think that's reflected in WBC because well I think everybody's using a lot more high acidity coffees in, in uh, for their um, espresso rounds and you see it in coffee bars all over the world yeah yeah no for sure I still Hello? like I I still um, yeah I still kind of miss that um, like I don't like those high acidity coffees I, I, I love a Brazil as uh, you know my kind of like you know, my, my espresso <clears throat> coffee, I want to have that sweetness and I want to have that, um, you know, kind of smoothness and stuff like that. And like those high acidity puckering ones, I know what you're saying about the grinders. You can kind of adjust what you're doing and all those things. But I still love that warm hug of a Brazil. Um, yeah, well, you know, that's what uh, we do. But that's what we do at the shop is like, is that your your entry level coffee is always going to be that. But there's the option there. If you want to go, you know, I'm going to try that like Kenyan as an espresso just to see. And it's 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 so different like it is so different it's just achievable now you know like before you'd, you'd have to pull 20 to make one of them taste good whereas now if you pull 10 you know like eight or nine of them are going to be really good you know it's 
it's yeah I don't know it, it's made our job an awful lot easier you know but I don't know I know what you mean though it's, yeah it's nice to be able to I, offer I agree yeah no I, and I think the grinder thing has been phenomenal I, I, I it's it was just like about time and everybody talks about you know the the kind of consistency and and, and you know and improve but I kind of I, I love the fact that we're talking about waste a lot more now as well. And, you know, definitely with the EK and the Mythos as the, the two kind of grinders that have, have been part of this conversation, you know, the lack of wastage is definitely something that you can sell to a coffee shop owner on the back of like, oh, this is kind of quite cool. Look, you're going to pay for this grinder very quickly. Um, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I definitely like that part, that side of it. I think that's, that's been the, the most refreshing part for me is we're not wasting coffee. And as we talk about green coffee not being an infinite resource, and you know that production is on the you know on the down and consumption is on the up, um, something that stops us wasting the coffee is definitely a good thing. Yeah, I think as well. Last year, I think uh, that uh, in, like in terms of uh, the culture behind what we do, uh, there's definitely been a massive impact um, from the Asian countries. Uh, so of course you had your first ever um, uh, Asian burst, uh, world burst champion uh, it, from Japan, and what's Hide's second name? I can't even remember. Yeah, Hide Irizaki. Yes, there you I go. I probably pronounced that wrong yet again. Yeah, um, <laughs> but then I mean, like it's you have I don't know. Every time I look on Instagram, there's somebody in Tokyo, and then like the the Jap the Chinese market, the South Korean market, like. These are becoming huge markets, especially coffee, and you see that reflected in the prices that are for green coffee because there's a lot more competition for them. But um, it's just erupting there. Like I spent a bit of time in in China, in um, in Japan, in Hong Kong, and it's like, it's incredible. Like it's so far so fast. China just blew me away at like this is, there was an interest I had an interesting chat with I had lots of interesting chats with Matt Perger while I was on the Asia tour um like I I love hanging with Matt he he's he's so smart he's he makes boy. me feel so stupid but he was talking about uh, you know the, those instant noodle pot things that I you do. can get like not like pot noodles but like the the, the, the proper Asian food style ones and yeah. he was saying there's 130 billion of those made every year so 130 billion but he said but that's only enough to feed china for uh, breakfast lunch and tea for a month and it's just like oh my god (laughs) like and it puts you on the whole thing of what what they could do to coffee consumption and coffee prices and you know and and there's so many people in china that just want to drop money on the best thing they don't even know it's the best thing they just want to drop coin and go i want that I was sent an itinerary and there was a country or there was a city on it. The city was called Guangzhou. And I went, oh, I've never heard of that before. And I went to look for it on my iPhone. And, you know, on the iPhone, you can find a city like Marseille or you can find a city like, I don't know, uh, Sunderland or Limerick. Uh, just like, you know, middling European cities. And yeah. I couldn't find Guangzhou. Not on there, right? So then uh, I said, oh, I'll Google it online. So I said, it must be some backwater in the middle of nowhere. It's 20 million people live in Guangzhou. 20 million of them. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And not even the biggest city in China. Like, it's yeah. the scale of what it did. I, I always um, introduce myself at the to- start of every talk and say I come from a small city in Ireland called Dublin, has a population of half a million people. And at that point, everybody would laugh. It wasn't a joke. I was actually just telling them, but they all thought it was a joke. It's like a city with half a million people. Ha, 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 ha. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal, but um, yeah, the the yeah, the, the, I don't know. Asia this year has just suddenly grabbed everybody's attention. Yeah, I mean the the, the whole taking Tampa Tantrum on tour thing there was not like you know us or WCE kind of you know beating the drum saying this should happen. It was like we want something here. What can you bring to us? We want to learn, and there's a, such a thirst for knowledge. Like Korea. We were, we, you know, we weren't in Seoul. We were in Busan, which is the, you know, the second city, and it was just a huge coffee culture. Like hundreds of people came to watch, and hundreds of people couldn't get tickets to come and watch, for you know, coming in and doing these presentations. And that, to me, says there's a there's a there's a real thirst and hunger to you know to to learn more. Um, but as soon as they start learning more, you know, they're going to teach us because you know there's a consumption there. There's that just they want to consume good stuff. 
Um, and they, they, I felt there was a real Asian kind of feel for that in the whole of the tour that, you know, they want the best. They, that they want to buy the best. Yeah. Um, so what else last year then in, in terms of coffee sticks out for you? Like, I think it's, it's fun. okay. I, I, I should probably be the last person to say this and you're going to laugh when I do say it. But <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. I did it for you. There's hey. an absolute massive explosion of amount of uh, specialty roasters. And yep. I, I use that term knowing what we know, but it's uh, everywhere. And it's, it's, it's exactly like what I see in, um, in uh, craft brewing, uh, craft, like in craft beer. It's the same thing. Is that all of a sudden you're inundated with all these craft breweries opening up and it's, I don't know, there's... And I think like craft beer, there's a lot of beers that are coming from these new guys that aren't very good. You know, yeah. and there's a lot of a lot of there's a lot of beers from the established guys that aren't very good. Um, I think you know you, you get that cross section. I think there's been a, I mean it's so easy to buy buy a roaster and to uh, you know start selling coffee. It's it's super simple, and I think we're going to see more and more. And and listen, that's a good thing. I think you know the fact that people start understanding that you know coffee is freshly roasted. It's better when it's fresh and it's old. It's kind of like when Starbucks came around. You know, with the uh, here's a cappuccino. You couldn't open a coffee shop in a town that hadn't got a Starbucks because you were telling people the very basics. Oh, you don't want that. That's an espresso. It's a very small drink. Whereas now we just assume everybody knows. Yeah. But it's not so long ago that we were having to do that paint by numbers for people. And as roasteries open up, I hope it has the same effect. Um, you know, but like like breweries, the good guys tend to kind of rise to the top. But the people who are doing a good job within those circles. Um, you know, you could think of probably five craft brewers now that you really enjoy the beers from 99% of the time. Yeah, in the um, UK, in the, that one. in the UK, I think uh, I went to the Cup North uh, thing where we where we ran Tamper Tantrum, and I just couldn't believe it. There was just so many roasters that, like roasters I'd never even heard of, just popped up that are only starting off. And yeah, like it's it's a great thing. I mean, I definitely. Um, the coffee that I drank there was all was all good coffee. Like it was all definitely drinkable. There was definitely some that were better than others, and some of them that definitely needed to try harder. But like, there, it was a lot better than than what you'd buy in a supermarket. You know what I mean? That kind of. So it's um it's definitely a good thing. It'd be interesting to see how it develops. You know, um. But yeah, I don't know. That that really stuck out for me this year as well. And I think it's so much easier. It's so much easier now as well because there are there are. When I first started buying green coffee, like there was one export, one importer you could buy from. You know, yeah. like that was kind of it. Whereas now there's seven or eight importers that I, you know I regularly buy coffee from, and I would you know encourage others to to be tasting coffee and probably more. So I think the access to good green has be, become a lot easier than uh, back in the day. Um, and you know that's where good coffee comes from is from having some good green to start off with um, yeah but it's kind of interesting that you know a lot of the new a lot of these newer smaller roasteries tend to be roasting much much lighter than i would kind of uh, you know we definitely would have imagined like five years ago yeah um, and i find that's kind of quite interesting part of it that you know there's this whole argument about underdevelopment and um you know roasting too lightly um because you know of that good green, you don't want to murder the green. You don't want to hide that amazing flavour that's coming through. Did you read Nick Cho's article? Uh, I'm on about my fourth sitting with it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I kind of get so far in, I have to walk away for a while. Um, yeah. As much uh, as so, I love Nick. Anyone that hasn't read it yet is um, Nick Cho has a Tumblr. Actually, I'm going to Google it right now. It's uh, Nick NickCho.tumblr.com. There you go. And uh, Nick basically goes to um, the, I suppose, yeah, read it. Just read it. It's about his, his take on on what motivates roasters and what they're trying to get from their coffees and how, you know, the roasters have an agenda and the baristas have an agenda to a certain extent. And it's, yeah, I'm not saying I agree with everything in it, but it was definitely thought-provoking. And I agreed, I agreed with a lot of it. But, you know, yeah, I, I love Nick. Like, because he just, he makes me think. Even if, he, if I completely disagree with what he's saying, I'm sitting there, and I can't let it go. And I'm walking home that night and I'm still thinking about it, you know. So he's, um, yeah, he's great for that. He but, is, he is. And, and, and I think that's that's why I love to kind of see his stuff and, 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 and kind of read through it. And it is, it's very thought-provoking. And I would say 95% of it I kind of do agree with. I don't want to. Uh, and that's the other thing that annoys me about it because um, I don't want to agree with it. 
You know, I, I want it to be opposite, but he, he, he's quite true. I think it's also written a little bit from a barista's perspective where, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but I think sometimes the barista has to kind of deal with what they're given and they can make something amazing out of it or something not so amazing by changing the parameters that they have. And it's a very easy cop-out to kind of blame the roaster when you're a barista. Um, yeah. But then I, I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like one of the, like one of the things that does frustrate me is that there's this. I think what's happened over the years is that we started at a point where bad coffee was dark. Okay, is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, agreed. So, so then, coffee came around that was a little lighter, and that was better. Now the problem is that that some people would take that as a kind of a linear relationship that is you know eternal this is this this relationship will always continue so it's almost like um you know when you like you talk to somebody and you're like yeah we roast our coffee slightly darker than you there's a voice in the back of your head going oh they're gonna think we're a crap now you know because but at a certain point you know it's it does get too light you know it's not an a never-ending yeah. thing so i like sometimes people send me coffee and i'm like um like it's just it's almost like they haven't even roasted it now i think in fairness i i would I'd probably be more, I don't know, diplomatic in the sense that I'm one of those people that I, if someone is passionate about what they want to do and they want to do it that way, then I'm kind of like, I like to try and even sit in their, in their shoes and kind of go, well, what are they trying to achieve with this? And I can understand what they're trying to do and respect it and enjoy it in those terms. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to do that myself though, but I can get what you're trying to do. You know, does that make sense? But it does. It does. And but I think the, the thing that gets it, me though, and is this is the, the thing that really, really gets me though, okay? This is the really annoying thing. Are you listening? This is really important. I am. Is that you never get, from the people that roast darker than you, you never get any, any hassle. You know, it's never like, oh, you need to roast darker. You don't know what you're doing. But if there's somebody that roasts lighter than you, okay, there's always this, this kind of rhetoric that you don't know what you're doing or you don't know any better. Does that make sense? And I'm like, I could do that tomorrow if I wanted to. If I wanted to roast that light tomorrow, I could do that. You know what I mean? I, I have all of the, I have all the, the resources. We have the people, we have the equipment to do it. We just don't have the will to do it because we don't want to do it. And I just want that to be accepted. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes this we as an industry thing does really piss me off because it's like, no, we as an industry are doing this. We're all going lighter. And I'm like, fine fill your boots do that but i'm gonna fucking stay here you know what i mean like i like it where i am yeah i think you know Colt, the, 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 the roasting a bit darker uh, in an industry that is always going lighter takes a little bit of courage it takes a little bit of a no i'm doing it my way kind of thing and and, and i've always stood by i i'm very happy with where we're at and i think i don't i think we're much more towards the 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 the, the lighter side than a lot of the guys but we're also a lot darker than some of my people who I'd like to be compared against and peers yeah um and it, it really takes courage to go that little bit uh, that that you know that five five seconds in the roaster and, and I had this conversation with uh, Simon the roaster at 3FE about these five seconds in the roaster does it make a big difference and we actually did it we stood there and we did one five seconds longer and we kind of went oh yeah yeah okay does but that five seconds longer is the difference between underdeveloped and developed um, for my palate for my tastes um, and that, that, that's hard to is coming though isn't it yeah yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And that's that's the interesting thing from Nick's part that I really did take away and I wanted uh, I wanted to kind of jump on a lot more that was like, no, that is right. It's, it's about, you know, roasting it correctly. Um, but I, I disagree with the part of it where he talks about, you know, chasing the cupping table because I think we should all be chasing the cupping table. That's where we get really excited about coffee. It's like, wow, you know, this cupping bowl here is phenomenal and I want to drink it. And then it's using the tools that we all have to get that, in the espresso machine, in the pour over, in the you know the bulk brew or wherever we're serving the coffee. Yeah, well, no, I think that's fair. They, like, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a kickback coming. There's like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And but this is the thing is that like the industry is always going to do do uh, go this way. Like, I in four or five years time, we're going to be defending ourselves against the cool kids who say you need to absolutely scorch your coffee because uh, that'll be <laughs> that'll be the done thing again, and that's kind of. Um, yeah, 
that's just the way things kind of move, I suppose. But I think um, well, there's plenty of roasters who are still in a march on us with that one. Then <laughs> they're already in the future. They're already knocking around there, right? Yeah. The I think the last thing that kind of sticks out in my mind uh, from last year is I've spent the last five years listening to smug baristas walk into shops going, uh, "Give me a job." I've worked in Melbourne and been really kind of like you know, I know my shit, and I've been fortunate enough to visit Melbourne uh, twice in the last year and a half or so. Um, I, f- I love that city I really love that city I think they're doing um, they're doing a great job there's lots of um, there's lots of variety in the roasting let's put it that way so, yeah. know, there's, there's something for everybody there but the service and the stuff and I think like I always get asked by people oh so how many coffee farms have you been to and I'm like I've never been to a coffee farm I would be absolute I think Steve you know me I would be useless on a coffee farm uh, and what, what, what you drives definitely me, get burnt yeah what drives me is the the uh, is is kind of the is the retail end of things and that's that's kind of what my passion is and i'm always like i prefer to focus my uh my strengths where i can make the most impact you know but they yeah. it, for, that for me that melbourne is just so exciting like to see what they're doing there uh the variety of shops that are there the the service is incredible like we went to this one place and myself and pizza rocked up and um they walked over and they're like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" I was like, "Grand, yes." And they're like, oh, "They're like, oh, so what, what would you like?" I was like, "Grand." I was like, "What's good?" I was like, "Well, this one here is great. I mean, you guys will love this one. It's really." Uh, start describing the coffee comes here, like just super enthusiastic. And I was like, "Grand." I was like, "Well, look, just take a seat and we'll bring it over to you. you can you can get us at the end?" So I go, like, oh, "That's great." And I sat down, kind of go, "You know, oh, you know, it's it's embarrassing, you know, being recognised this far away from home." And then um, came over with the coffee and they're like, "So, uh, are you? What are you guys in town for?" And I was like. We're here for the WBC. The Watsy Watsy? It's like, <laughs> absolutely no idea who any of us were. I was like, but at the same time, it gives you that lesson because the city is so, like, the service in the city is incredible. And it's just that really kind of embracing uh, dining culture that kind of has seeped into every aspect of what they do. I absolutely love it. And I think to me, like, the last year, Melbourne has been, it's gone past that thing where they're, they're beating their own drum, but it's now getting to the stage where it's actually been recognised internationally and people are going, you know what, they are actually pretty good at what they do over there. Do you know, as normal, I'm going to be fairly controversial on this one and I come from a point of view with very little exposure to what I've had there. <clears throat> uh, like, I, di- I didn't get to do so much of the, the, the tour around because I was stuck with the microphone all, all week in Melbourne when I was there. Yes, you were. Uh, but what I, di- what I did see was I saw amazing espresso. Like, amazing milk drinks like phenomenal and the food like if i'm going to talk about anything from the coffee shops that i took away from melbourne was they do the food so well like i would be so fat there like i would just i'd never cook and just eat and eat and eat but i was super disappointed with the brewed elements that were going yeah on that's there. fair i did yeah that's fair yeah i didn't sit and i think that you know i, I always look at the london Template of coffee shops because you know I, I that's the one I'm exposed to the most I guess you know that they're, they're the opposite way that you know they, they you don't get great food experiences. What, what city like, is nailing? Maybe more what, so. Now. What city is nailing brewed coffee? I I I remember in Oslo just drinking amazing brewed coffee everywhere I went. Yeah, like I just remember every shop I went to was just phenomenal, and it could be anything. Like you could go from, you know, from Tim Wendelbow's to like something on the corner and I was having brewed coffee that was really good. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that, to, you know, London, that's kind of where I was going with that one is that in London, you tend to get that good brewed experience. You don't get the food element. You certainly don't get the service elements as much as you do in Melbourne. But I think every culture has its own little pocket. And I do worry that Melbourne gets this little pedestal of like, because the service is so good, because the food is so good, because they've got most of the jigsaw in place that we forget about. They just do everything perfectly. And there isn't a city that is doing everything perfectly, nor should there be. Yeah. Um, what do you make of Seattle? Because that's hosting the WBC this year. And it was the, it's where the SEA show was last year. We were lucky enough to visit. Yes, yes. Well, so Seattle, I got, I got to see a little bit of it. Um, I really liked it. I didn't expect to. Um, I really enjoyed some of the coffee shops I went into. There was a it, a wide event, and I think that whole WBC what thing, you know, the whole SCAE, uh, SCAA show, people were like, oh, what are you in town for? I said, oh, the SCAA show. They're coffee shops, and they didn't know about it. 
Yeah. Like, so I don't think there's, you know, these guys weren't the specialty kind of ones, but were doing great, great coffee. And I actually had some really good experiences there. I was, I was super surprised. And of all the US cities I've been to, probably the best experiences I've had. Really? Yeah. You... Yeah, yeah. You're like for service and for general kind of coffee quality and, you know, working within parameters and caring. I thought it was really good. Yeah, there was one shop that I went to. Uh, okay, I might have this wrong, but I believe it was called Storyville. And the okay. logo was like of a, of a little boy with an airplane in his hand, I, I think, like a silhouette. And it was a beautiful shop, like one of the most beautiful shops I've ever been in. Um, yeah, I remember that quite distinctly. It was great. But you know what actually struck me about that city, which is nothing to do with coffee, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, you get in the, air, in, in the taxi at the airport and you drive into the city. And on the way into the city, you pass this massive plane, okay? And on the plane is, well, planes, because it's where Boeing are, okay? So yeah. it's where Boeing's base is. And it's this massive, wide, flat, open area where there's runways and aircraft hangars and just airplanes for miles and miles and miles, okay? And you go, okay, that's where Boeing are. Then you get to the city, and they've built it on what seems like the side of a cliff. <laughs> like... You know, you really missed a trick there. You know, there was this lovely area just over there to the left. Why didn't you just build it there? But yeah, I don't know. That kind of um, walking up and down hills in, in Seattle was, was one of my, my biggest memories. Um, but yeah, we, it, was, it was, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good city. The beer was too good. Yes. Oh, very good. Very good. That's one thing I'm looking forward to going back to because I kind of, uh, yeah, I definitely found some bars that I'll be revisiting. Are you going uh, then? Because, you know, I've been trying to make... Make you go and yeah. I'll go if you go. I don't know. You will. I still don't know. I'm I kind will. of, I, I, I'm trying go to find on, a go reason on, go to on, go. Go on, you will. Do you know, I don't want to go and walk around a trade show and I don't want to be the guy sitting there watching the WBC all, all four days because that's probably what I'd end up doing. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I'm, I'll convince myself somehow. I, I, I've got that much travel over these few months that I'm thinking, do I really want to do some more travel in April? But I probably will. We could do some <laughs> Tamper Tantrum meet and greets or something like that. That would be fun. Tamper yeah. Tantrum. Tamper Tantrum live, podcast live would be good. Yeah, definitely. Get guests up and stuff. True that. Right, I think that's a good place to, to wrap up. I'm getting very sore because... Uh, did I mention I beat my, my personal best in five kilometres today? No, you didn't, Colin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please share your personal best time with us all. No. <laughs> Just know that I knocked two minutes off my personal best and, yeah. And nice. And we, we leave it there, yeah. So, um... Good work. Yeah. And we've got a half marathon coming up in March, so... I know, yeah. I didn't think that went through, did it? Around a mountain, no less. Not just on a road, but around a mountain. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting achy and sore. Um, but, yeah, it's been good to chat. Um, I'm going to go write a list for the next one. We'll knock these a few of these out over the next few weeks. And um, thank you for joining us. Say thank you, Stephen. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, thank you. And please tell us if you like them and you want us to carry on with them because if nobody says anything, we'll just not do anymore. That's not true. I like people. I know it isn't, is it? We've no lack of audience has never stopped us before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Take it easy. Bye.